Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My name is Emily Gitzillo, and I'm a sophomore at Miami, Ohio, majoring in journalism and psychology. I wrote to Write Lane because I've listened to your tips for writing podcasts, and I've read many of your stories at the Tampa Bay Times, and I've always admired your writing style and just passion overall for your career, and I also had an important question I wanted to ask. So basically, I've loved writing since I was like five years old. It's always felt like what I was meant to do. I love hearing stories, telling stories, sharing stories. And now in college, I'm an assistant editor for my college newspaper. A poem of mine was published in the New York Times a couple years ago. And I'm getting a book of poetry published this summer. So clearly, I spent a good amount of my time writing. However, lots of people say that writing is a nice hobby, but it's not necessarily realistic as a career And for a long time, I've had doubts about whether my passion for writing was worth following or if I should just keep it as something that I do for fun and pick a different career path. Um, Something in the business world was kind of like my other option. And I was looking for someone to validate the reality of making a career out of journalism. And then kind of all of a sudden, one day I thought of someone who could offer advice And even more than advice, someone who could heighten my confidence and give me something to say when business majors discredit the humanities majors and they say, writers don't make enough money, that's not a career, you're not going to work on Wall Street, like the way the world measures success. And I've never really cared about the way that the world measures success. I just, writing has always been just something that interests me and it makes me happy and I enjoy doing it. So it crossed my mind a couple weeks ago to ask you for a list of reasons on why college students should pursue a journalism career, and I thought maybe you could make a podcast out of it. And the subject line of my email was, when I graduate, I want to tell stories for a living. Should I? Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at The Times. Today's topic, five reasons to go into journalism. It's funny because Lane and I totally understood the angst behind Emily's question, and yet it took us no time at all to rattle off reasons to go into journalism. So we're going to talk about five, but then we want to invite a broader conversation. We'll be asking friends and colleagues to weigh in, and we'll do another podcast with their reasons. Maybe together we can raise our spirits and remind ourselves why we love our chosen profession. But here goes our quick list, Emily. So number one is we talked about how much we love the duality of journalism, how you can be in your head and out in the world. Yes, you want to go? What? Yeah, no, you're I, always in your head and I, out in the world. I, I love the two to the two parts of it. You know that the like you get to go meet strangers, you get to go places you never would have gone, you get to embed in people's lives, you get to ask whatever you want and be as social as possible, engaging these people and having these conversations. And or even if you're not social, because a lot of people are shy in this business. There's a lot of shy people, but you get to you get to be the fly on the wall. Yeah, and go out and 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 hear things and see things and experience things you wouldn't 
otherwise. It's, it's very much being out there in, in the world, you know, or in different worlds. I like to think of like bringing my readers through to all these different worlds that they would never see. You know, and I like getting to do that, like, uh, you know, taking me places I, I never would have gone before, you know, whether it's on a, a shrimp shrimping boat trawler or like up in the middle of a, a water cooler, you know, they were building a water tower. I got to go in that. I got to go under the bottom of the sea when they're pulling up anchors from a, a pirate ship. And, you know, you just get to go to these amazing places. This week she got to drive to Tallahassee in the middle of the night. I mean, you know, there's all these perks. <laughs> but then you get to like stop and, and sort of decompress. And we've talked in this podcast before, like I really like to write at home. And, and I love that, you know, being in my cave all by myself when I can be in, in dark and quiet and thinking in my head. So it's the perfect, to me, it's the perfect dichotomy. It's, it's like you could be as social as you want out in the world and then you can retreat to your own little cozy spot inside your head. Um, another one we said is that we love being surrounded by smart, funny, creative people. And I, I, I'm sure this is true for you. I, I've talked to a lot of people who've left journalism and have ended up in some kind of corporate culture or in just a different environment. And they miss it. They miss, they miss that interaction that you have day to day with all these people who are really, um, they really are. It's a really bright, creative group of people who are sharp and funny and curious. Yeah. And, and there is a huge sense of teamwork and there still is. I mean, even more so now, I think. I think it's a lot more collaborative now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not even within our own, within our own newsrooms, but even we're collaborating with other newsrooms because journalism has gotten so much smaller, but, um, it's, um, I, it's one of the funnest things about coming to work, I think, is you come in and you have, you know, you're trying to solve a problem together. You're, you're coming up with how, you know, what, what's, we get to choose what stories we're going to do. And then we have people who, who are going to do brilliant f photographs around it. And then somebody's going to write a great headline to go with it. And then somebody's going to devise a terrific presentation. And, and together we're all creating something every day. And, and everyone comes in knowing what the news is. Everyone's paying attention to current events and what's right. happening and, and brainstorming, like, what's our piece of that? Or what can we do differently for that? So you have, everybody has this, it's like almost like being in a college class where everybody has the same syllabus. You know, right. like you're all, you're all tapped into the same stories and it's just who gets to decide, you know, what to do when. Um, I think, you know, my husband is a teacher and he works with a lot of really smart, talented people too. But for six hours a day, he's with teenagers in the high school classroom. He's not interacting with his colleagues you know what I mean right. we get, and we lucky. get to interact all the time you know whether it's like talking to the restaurant reviewer about where should I go for my birthday dinner you know or or talking to the sports writer about what's going to be the game I should get tickets to the next week you know you also can enrich your own life in so many ways because you're the first person to know when the new roller coaster is going to open you're the first person to know like that this guy's going to run for mayor that nobody's heard of so I, I think it's really it's really fun and it's enriched my life in as many ways as it's made my life hard because I've had to miss things or get called away from things or change plans. It's enriched my life in so many other ways about knowing things and, and knowing what's going on and, you know, being able to tap into resources. And all those people who are in their head and out in the world come back and share what's in their head and what they saw out in the world. So you get, I, yeah, there's exponential there's learning. Yeah. All the stories behind the stories that, that the rest of the world doesn't see, but that you talk about in the newsroom, um, it's it's really uh, it, yeah. It's uh, you're never bored. You're never bored in a newsroom. And and there's th your resources, not even professionally, but personally. You know, when I moved here, 
where do I send my kids to school? Well, go interview the school reporter. You know, where should we buy a house? Okay, go interview the, the real estate reporter. You know, it's it's also personally so much more enriching. It's like I wrote, I, I wrote down thinking about this, like we, we newsrooms really are like the corner bar, except with a sense of purpose. And right? not as much booze. And not as much booze. <laughs> um, you, were, you were talking about roller coasters. I'm not sure. We, have we talked about Fabio on this, on this podcast? I don't think so. So, I mean, okay, so one of the things that I sent Lane to early in her career was the opening of a roller coaster at King's Dominion in Williamsburg. And who should be the guest star that day but Fabio? And what the hell happens to Fabio? He gets smacked by some geese on the fucking roller coaster, and there's blood everywhere. And he's it's Apollo's chariot. It was the opening of Apollo's chariot. And they come off the roller coaster's blood on all the all the goddesses who are the goddesses are covered in Fabio's blood. I mean, like, who the hell gets to do that stuff? I mean, come on. That's, I mean, who well, do you remember that? The photographer for that story was so mad he had to go cover the opening of a roller coaster with stupid old Fabio, and he ended up making like $40,000 in reprint yeah, sales from the photo. made a shitload of money off that thing. Because that <laughs> Bought his wife was a new car. <laughs> it was amazing. Everyone to see Fabio's broken nose. <laughs> I'm not sure you were all happy about it either until no, it I happened. No, I wanted to meet Fabio. Remember, I was supposed to have a sit-down interview with Fabio, so I'd done all this research on Fabio. I had all these questions to write a Fabio profile, and, and instead boom. he gets taken in an ambulance to the hospital. Okay, yeah, maybe that is that. That's to be. You could possibly meet Fabio. Meet Fabio, or, um, or just at least watch him get bloodied by a goose. <laughs> Number three, uh, we love always knowing what's going on. It's like being the town crier, right? You are in the center of things, always. Yeah, and you know before everybody else a lot of times, you know. There's a lot of adrenaline that goes with that. I mean, you know, being the, the first person racing out to something. But, but yeah, under, it's like, yeah, you're the, you're the ticker on CNN or all the time. I mean, you're there, and you're hearing it all, and you're a part of it, and you feel, I don't know, it makes you feel really energized. I remember um, on the Outer Banks when I was uh, in a bureau down there, we covered 11 hurricanes in seven years, and the rush of going out during the eye of the hurricane, you know, so it would be terrible, horrible, awful weather that you couldn't even breathe in. And then there'd be like a 20 minute break when the weather got nice and then it was going to get bad again on the back end of the hurricane. And I loved, I love, love, love those 20 minutes of like rushing out into the world and being the only person to see what had just happened. You know, me and the photographer are the only people on the road out there to see the aftermath of this. And that felt like such an honor. You know, and, and a fortunate seat to be in that I get to tell the rest of the people, like, your house didn't fall down or your dock did fall down or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I, I think that's such an honor. Which leads us to number four, which is that we do love making a difference. I mean, we're not brain surgeons. We, you know, but um, I, I'm sure both of us look back on our careers and we think about stories where um, readers came to help people out or some bit of legislation got changed or, uh, you know, we made some change for the better in our world. And how many places, how many, how many jobs really do that? How many? Right. And some, some of it's real tangible. You know, we got a law changed. We got some corruption stopped. We got some money donated. And some of them are just much more esoteric. But I love being able to show somebody a person they think they know who it is or they have a stereotype or a preconceived notion about and make them look at somebody differently. 
Right. You know, I, I love that you that's part of my job. You have a greater, even bigger purpose. Of I like, mean, that's a little thing, but if you can get your neighbors to huge. look at yeah. a homeless person differently, or you can get your readers to realize that this little boy who can't even move is brilliant inside, and maybe people will look at disabled people right. differently, that's that's psychological, but that's a huge uh, gift, you know, to be able to be able to help change the way people see the world. So the story that... Um, We've been talking about in the podcast, the Lincoln shot and the project that Lane finished um, in December. Uh, I mean, among other things, Lane was up this week at the state legislature because they're going to try to change a Medicaid waiver to help his family out because his family, he aged out of this uh, Medicaid coverage, which meant that they weren't going to get 24-hour care and they were going to have to pay more for their nursing help and that's really losing his therapist it's it's pretty bad and so because of the attention on his story it helped to get it front and center and now there's legislation many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And uh, they're trying to change the law. And on top of that, you know, yesterday when um, Lane and, and John Pendergraf went up there with them, they're riding in a van that somebody donated to them, a custom van that someone donated to this family because they wanted, I mean, they wanted to be anonymous and they're doing it just out of the goodness of their heart. But um, they saw our story. They saw our story. They saw a need. And they came and they stepped up. And so, I mean, to your broader point, I think bringing out the best in humankind, you know, sometimes you tap into, you know, and it reminds you that people are decent, (laughs) which you can forget. (laughs) Exactly. No. And I think people, most, most people want to help. You know, but they they don't necessarily want to just send off a check to the World Wildlife Fund. They want to know a specific need or or individual that they can make a difference in. You know, and so when when you bring a story, I and mean, we we never said help this family. Right. You know what I mean? But right. people saw in this family these needs that they could fulfill, and and they got them a van, and they got them a generator, and they built a butterfly garden for Lincoln. And the legislators called and said, "Hey, what can we do to help? Well, let's change this law." Right. It's it's wonderful. It's it's so gratifying. You and know? that's not even what you were talking about, which is a bigger, broader thing. I think for people to see someone who's disabled and see ordinary things in that person, they're that, in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure I've even ever told you this, but you know, when I was at the Virginian Pilot as managing editor, I had a benefactor. I had a woman who had decided to give a thousand dollars at a time to someone that we did a story about. She wanted to remain completely anonymous. Um, but she would be moved by a story and she'd call me up and she'd say, okay, that's one I want to give money to. Then she'd send me the check and then I'd arrange for the check to go to that person. So sometimes it would be somebody who was struggling to go to college or somebody, you know, it was somebody who'd just done something good. And it's like, I don't know, what kind of profession are you ever in where people feel that motivated to to do that? You know, it's actually one of the saddest things when I left there is that, there, you know, wasn't in that position anymore. But how cool is that that somebody calls you up and just says like, okay, I'd like to start giving away $1,000 at a time to people that you do stories about. Could you just facilitate that? 
That's like, amazing. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay, Emily, to your point, I know one of your concerns is in this business, you're not going to make enough money to be a philanthropist. <laughs> you're not going to make enough money to give $1,000 away here and there, but you're going to touch people who can. Right. You know, and, and that's pretty darn huge, yeah. you know. Um, okay, number five. And, you know, like the funny thing is we could keep rattling off, but we, we, we said we were going to give you five. So we love learning something new literally every day and feeding our curiosity. And it's true. I mean, it's like we don't do the same thing from one day to the next. And I think there's a lot of professions where you are doing the same thing from one day to the next. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and it's so different. I mean, I've always liked general assignment reporting because I think, you know, it's, it's wonderful and we totally need beat reporters who can get inside whatever their beat is and cover that. But general assignment is like, okay, one day I'm covering a murder and then I'm covering someone planting a garden and then I'm covering a lost dog. And then, you know, it's like, it's so different every day. And, and you get to spend, you know, back to the di- di- the duality, you get to spend hours at a time researching, you know, just like you would research for a college paper or something. You get to dive really deep. You get deep, to do a lot of different things. A lot of different things. And, and school yourself on everything from, you know, the, the stock market to how a nuclear power plant works. And, you know, if you're a curious person, there's, I don't know many other places that would pay you to research or look into the variety of things like that, you know. So Emily is in college and starting her career. I think this you know, people could, we, we are not, we are way down the road. Um, but I think for us, we ask the same kind of questions because we think about, you know, should we stay in this business? You know, there's, I, it has been such a challenge the last 10 years in particular have been brutal. Um, so why are you still in this business, Lane? I, I think about this probably at least once a month, like what should my plan B be or what else could I be doing? Or is there, you know, I'm 52, I just turned 52 years old. Is there something I should do for the next 20 years instead, you know? And and I can never figure out anything I would rather do than what I'm doing. I know. I, I struggle with it, too. I can't, I, I can't think of what would, and all those things we just talked about, all those things that make, you know, every day feels different. Every day feels like you have an opportunity to make a difference in someone's life. Um you get a chance to experience things that other people don't get to experience. Uh, you get to work as a team uh, to produce some things that, that are meaningful. I just, yeah. There's you get to take readers all different places and introduce them to all different people and, and feed your own curiosity, too. I mean, I went through a JAG uh, maybe 10 years ago when I wrote a whole bunch of transgender stories but very at the very beginning before, of that movement. Before everybody else yeah. yeah, and I was just really fascinated with what that meant and, and how that manifested itself. And, and I got the time and, and resources to really become an expert on, on that. It was, I guess it was my mini beat or whatever, you know, right. but, but like I was interested in it and I got to turn that into stories, you know, which is, so again, we could start going into point six and point seven and point eight, but, um, but yeah, that ability to help people too to understand their world, you know, and to, and to, uh, particularly what you like to do is to, to, to bridge humanity. I mean, like people to under, to see somebody who maybe they wouldn't spend a lot of time with, they would never have a conversation with. But it's they might like, judge in some way without right. knowing. Yeah. Right. Those are the people that you gravitate to, the ones that the rest of us judge. Lane goes right through to the... Yeah. Um, and, and I also think, you know, whatever your beat is, and I know, Emily, you know, young journalists end up covering a whole bunch of beats, but whether you're telling somebody, like, you know, how the local municipal election is going to work or whether the fishing season is going to change or that this new tax law is going to happen or this is the teacher of the year, you know, whatever right. it is, you're telling your readers information that they can use and take into their lives and enrich their own 
experiences by. So it, everything you're doing is helping other people in a way. I think we probably don't. I, and I think uh, we hear this from younger journalists, too. I don't think we do a great job necessarily of, of explaining ourselves or what we do or why it's important. But I think we all feel like it's important. And I feel like um, that and it, it's a reason, again, for those of us who've been in the business. So this was a question from somebody who's entering the business. But those of us who are in the business, you know, why do you stick with it? Because there's so many important things to to do. There's so many important things to write about. And there's still, it's still the kind of profession that you're just not going to find an outlet like this for all the things that you enjoy doing in this job. Exactly. Yeah. And and there's, there's no way to be bored ever. I, I wake up in the morning most of the time and don't know what I'm going to be doing that day. And then by eight or nine o'clock, you know, you're going down a whole new path. And, right. and that's, it's kind of exciting as well as terrifying as well as sometimes frustrating. But right. the, in the end, there's there's nothing I'd rather do. I think we wanted to leave this podcast with a note for Emily and others who are um, in school or younger that I, I, you know, we feel like you guys have an opportunity to also shape journalism in a way that we didn't. I mean, every, the, you know, what's happened the last 10 years has been like a tsunami and it came up. It shouldn't have surprised us, but it did. It sort of took us under. We're all still sort of trying to gain our footing again. Um, and we're trying to play in a lot of different worlds, and some of the worlds are not worth it. Like, hell, we're podcasting, you know? Like, if you told Lane and I 30 years ago we'd be podcasting, I'm like, what the hell? Um, but you guys come in, and you, this is the world you grew up in, and having, you know, technology and ways to tell stories and thinking about ways to tell stories that are different, and and maybe in some fashion figuring out how to make money off of this in ways that we haven't. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm encouraged because I think you're smarter than we are. And I think you're coming up at a time where you'll hopefully be running these newsrooms in 10, 15 years and be figuring out how to do it better. Yeah. Well, that's another thing I think for you all 20-somethings out there. You know, you guys have more power now in the newsroom than ever before. You that's know, true. We, we that's came true. up and it was so hierarchical. Like, I'm a little freshman cub reporter and then I get to be maybe a little more a beat reporter and then maybe I get to write a weekender. We our twenty somethings in our newsroom are not only, you know, producing stuff for the front page and these big projects, but they're they're helping set the agenda. They're deciding yeah. what we cover. They're deciding how we cover it. They're helping us. I mean, we talked about doing a mentorship program here where we mentor up and mentor down. Like, have a fifty year old person help with the journalism how to part of it, and then have the twenty something person help figure out how to get on Reddit. You know, right. it's like I think the power that you guys, the power and information and knowledge and technology that the 20-something generation has is so much more um, important than the newsroom now than it ever was. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's probably easy to say because we're sitting in jobs. But, um, you know, I think people worry about the stability, of course, and the opportunities that are out there. I think the the kind of things that you learn as you get into this business really do help you no matter what kind of profession, even if you decided not to go into journalism, because I think a lot of our former colleagues are working in PR, working as uh, communication specialists, or doing all kinds of things, because those writing skills, those communication skills are so valuable. People skills. And people skills, yeah. I mean, all that stuff translates very well, but... Um but I mean, you have to want it, Emily. That's the one thing. It's, it's, you do it's, have to want it. It's not glamorous. It's not nine to five. It's not going to, you know, buy you a nice wardrobe or a good car. But if you want it, I mean, I think that's the other thing. There were so many more people coming up when we did it mm -hmm. that now the people who are coming up 
have to really want it even more. You know what right. I mean? Um, but I see that in our interns. I see that in our 20-somethings. There's this hunger and this desire and this willingness to sacrifice yourself and your personal life and your finances because it's important and because you love it. Right. Um, well, I mean, that's where we were once upon a time, too. And you don't have to sacrifice your whole life. I mean, you, you don't have to... Um, I mean, you can you can find a balance and still be in this business. Oh, absolutely. And every single time I talk to a, a college journalism class, I have young women who go, can you do this and have a family? Maria and I both raised two kids while we did this full time. And, you know, yeah, I miss them They're a little. They're mostly okay. They're mostly okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, but they, you know, maybe I missed a Little League game here or I wasn't able to be there for you know, some school project they were working on, but I got to take them places and show them places. My my five year old knew what a prostitute was. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> they like they there's a reason to go into journalism. <laughs> but you can you can so balance it. You know, it, especially if you have wonderful editors like Maria who who understand that there's there's a family at home waiting for you. You know, but yes, you you can have it all. Okay, so like I said earlier, we're going to ask our friends and colleagues for their reasons to go into journalism. So, Emily, we're going to end up with a bunch of reasons. Um, still might not sway your parents, but who knows, you know? Um, okay, if you guys have a question for Lane about any of her stories or want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. And join us next week on Wednesday morning as we continue... <laughs> Sorry. And join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Monica Herndon. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.